Let's go to the hotline and talk to one of the master recruiting experts in the country. A guy I enjoy listening and watching and reading, and uh, he's been on the show a number of times. We ask him to come back for this special recruiting period. Zach Albaverde from SEC Country. And, Zach, welcome back to the show. I really enjoyed your, I guess you'd call them kind of podcast, whatever. You had a big audience for your last one, which we put on our Facebook page. And so I know you're all over the recruiting these days. Yeah, buddy. As you know, this is a this is a busy time of the year, not only for for the coaches, but you know, for all of us that, that cover recruiting, and, and certainly for these uh, these prospects and their parents taking all these visits. Uh, it's been a crazy couple weeks, but you know, we're we're winding down here. We're one week away. You know, uh, Zach, uh, you've been around a little bit, and you've seen a lot of different changes. I noticed some of the veterans, shall we say, like. Jacquez Green making comments on Twitter like, okay, so what about these people who go online and say, I just got my ninth offer, man. He's not okay with that. But that's kind of the culture we're in right now. It's kind of a kind of show busy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, recruiting is has blown up in recent years. And it's it seems like, you know, everything is a story now, uh, whether it be a kid getting an offer or a kid taking a visit or a kid really having anything happen in his recruitment. Um, it's just, you know, th- there's such an interest for it. And I think that they know that. So the recruits that like the attention and like the, the high profile, they, uh, you know, they try to use that, those Twitter accounts to their advantage. And, you know, it's funny, there used to be a time when, you know, reporters would try to break news as far as commitments you know, when guys were making their decision. It's almost you rarely see that happen now because guys, they take that into their own hands. They use their Twitter account and their social media um, to, to release news on their own, you know, be it offers or visits or even commitments. So it's just crazy how much, you know, things have changed. But, it's you know, it's also good for me. It helps pay, pays the bills. <laughs> Well, I understand that. And by the way, congratulations on all your success here. SEC Country is one of the go-to websites for everybody who follows, obviously, SEC sports and uh, particularly recruiting this time of year. Before we get into the specifics of what we expect to happen on February the 7th and some of the news that's uh, – it's always going to be different than what we expect. You know that. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about you just a little bit. You, your background is you're, you've been uh, – you're a University of Florida guy. You work the Gainesville Sun. You do a little radio show. Tell people about Zach Albaverde and how you got on the recruiting train. Yeah, it was interesting, buddy. You know, um, obviously, like you said, being at Florida and and just growing up in Gainesville, uh, you know, football was was obviously uh, you know what got your attention, what got your interest, uh, and and for me, kind of getting into the writing side of it, you know, just uh, was fortunate to get an opportunity to write at Rivals dot com and intern. God, that was back in. That was Urban Meyer's last year at Florida, which was 2010. That's when I first ever started writing anything. I was back when I was just starting out in journalism school. So from there, I've just gone on and obviously spent a lot of years at the Gainesville Sun with Pat Dooley and and Robbie Andrew and got to cut my teeth there. And, you know, it's just like like I said earlier, recruiting has gotten so big that, you know, now it's it's able to, you know, I'm able to cover that as well as cover the team and and just kind of find out a – you know, carve out a nice niche for myself. All right. So now you do it. You're still doing a show. I know you did for a while. Are you still doing the radio program? And if so, where can people get that online? 
Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, our show is at, at, at WRUF.com, you know, four to six every weekday. You, you know, fans are able to go listen online. Uh, and obviously, you know, if you're in town and around the area, you can listen uh, on the radio station as well. So, uh, and it's and it's been fun doing the show because, you know, you know, most, you know, most typical fans don't follow recruiting too closely uh, during the year. There's obviously actual sports going on that we care about more, but this time of year, man, it's, you know, people get really interested in this stuff. So last couple of weeks have been real busy. Well, I get that. Thanks for spending some of that time with us. I know you do, uh, obviously you do a, a Facebook broadcast, Facebook live broadcast, which we do. Uh, and we've found literally thousands of people who want this information and who want stuff about the Gators per se and, and don't want it convoluted with other stuff. They want it all the pure strain. Uh, and we've sure. had a number of people who you know, who reference you and listen to you, whatever. Matter of fact, we had a question, uh, Danny from our um, our new site, the Gator Nation Kingdom, which has been getting a lot of run lately. Uh, ask a question I couldn't answer, and there's a lot I can't. But it says when these kids take a second trip to a school, how do they afford that? How is it funded? You know, what's that all about? Yeah. So I mean. Uh, you know, obviously, if it's second trip or first trip, or whatever. I mean, you you have an unofficial trips that are taken, and then you have official trips, official visits that happen. And basically, I mean, you know, unofficially, that that's that's all on the prospect and their parent or coach when they come up. Um, they don't get anything, you know, taken care of. I mean, they have to pay for their own gas, they have to pay for their lodging if they come, they have to pay for their own meals. And basically, when you come on an official visit. Um, you know, all that's taken care of by the school. You know, they pay for your travel. You can have up to two family members fly with you uh, if you're coming from out of state or, or, or you just can't drive to Gainesville. And then your lodging is taken care of, certainly all your food while you're in town. And it's just, you know, it's just a different experience. You know, you come for an official visit and you spend the whole weekend in Gainesville and you get to, you know, see everything that there is to see about the school. Uh, whereas unofficial visits are usually just a day thing and, Maybe you stay overnight. Um, so you kind of get a different different experience. And, you know, there are a lot of guys, buddy, that take, you know, take multiple trips. They come unofficially and they come officially just because they really want to get the full scope of the school. Let's talk about some recruits and some visits that are going to be take place this weekend. And uh, there, as I used to say uh, in the, in the, when they when shooting pool, not that I ever shot that much pool, the game is still on the table. There's enough talent out there that could sway a class one way or the other. We know about some of them, obviously. Jacob Copeland, the prize receiver. Um, I can never pronounce Ferrer's last name, the big tackle. Uh, there, there are four or five, especially that Florida's in line, possibly four. Why don't you talk about the visits coming up, the targets, and where it stands with the big guys, so the five-star offensive tackle being the main prize, I would think. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, he he took an official visit to Florida, uh, you know, this past weekend. He was one of six visitors that they had in town. And, you know, I, I, I spoke with his coach. You know, Nicholas is not, you know, really talking about recruiting right now. He's kind of keeping things close to the vest and, and, and not doing interviews. But I had a chance to speak with his coach who is really kind of, uh, you know, serving as, 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 as kind of someone to give him advice and guide him through this recruiting process, you know, he's, he's been a, you know, a legendary coach at, at Berkeley prep in Tampa and, you know, has had guys like Nelson Aguilar and some others that have came out of his program. So 
you know, Nicholas Petit Frere, he's probably the most interesting and mysterious recruit out of this whole cycle, buddy, because obviously he's a top 10 overall recruit. He's ranked number seven nationally. He's the number one offensive tackle in the country. And yet, uh, you know, being that big and being that coveted, most people have no idea where the guy's going. You know, he's done a real good job of keeping things close to the vest and he doesn't give away things. But, you know, personally from, you know, some of the stuff that I've heard and, and, and just how I've seen his recruitment play out, um, you know, I, I think that it's going to end up being a, a, a battle between Florida, Notre Dame and Ohio State. You know, I know Alabama is, is, a, is a school that he has visited, but he's real big on academics, buddy. He's he's a guy that's, you know, a, an A student, someone that can, you know, is capable of getting a 4.0. Uh, and he him and his mom really care about that. So that's why Notre Dame is a school he likes. He's taking a trip there. Florida's a school he likes, and he's going to go take a trip to Ohio State this weekend. So he, he's kind of the big prize left out there. Um, you know, and another guy on the offensive side of the ball, Jacob Copeland, you know, the four-star top 100 receiver. He's going to visit Florida this weekend. And, and he, and, and, you know, you know, many fans are aware of him. You know, he used to be committed to Florida mm-hmm. under the previous staff, and he reopened his recruitment after the coaching changes happened. But, you know, he has some history with, with – uh, Dan Mullen and Billy Gonzalez, both of those guys recruited him, uh, you know, when they were at Mississippi State. And he remembers certainly when they were at Florida, you know, growing up a Gator fan. So, you know, there's some factors there that could lead him back into Florida's class. And you usually don't see that when a guy decommits and leaves that class. He usually doesn't end up going back to that school. But Florida's got a chance to pull that off with Jacob Copeland. I think, I think Billy Gonzalez is at home visiting him. Uh, and 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 looks like from what you read, and who knows? You know better better than I. He is leaning a little bit toward Florida again. He of course went to Emmett Smith's high school, I believe, in Pensacola and Scambia, and has a little history there. But I'm looking at this list of people. If you just got two offensive linemen, if you got somehow pull up Petit Ferrer, and then you got William Barnes from Popka, who's six four three twenty five, and and Ferrer is six six two seventy two. You'd have you have both your right and side off of your offensive line with one guy. You wouldn't need anybody else to block with those two dudes. That would be something else right there. But you know that's too much to ask of right now. Uh, I know everybody's talked about this class. It's easy to get enthusiastic and get a little over the top. But you, in your cold hard analysis, when you look at it and you see realistically, Florida isn't going to get everybody on the list. Uh, what would be the, the, the optimum situation, as you see it, for Florida, for Dan Mullen, that he could expect, and then where would that put him going into spring? Yeah, you know, as far as how Florida could finish, buddy, I mean, I for, first of all, they're, they're in a much better spot as a transition class than I think most first-year coaches are in. I mean, uh, this, this has a chance to probably be the best transition class that we've ever seen signed at Florida in terms of rankings and how high the class could finish. Now we obviously got to see what the results end up being and how these guys produce and pan out. But, you know, I mean, right now they have 16 members in their class and they have a chance to add, you know, uh, you know, seven, six to seven more guys. And if they're big names like Petit Ferrer and Jacob Copeland, you know, that could put them in, in top 10 range. You know, I think best case scenario is if Florida can get, almost everybody at once um you know they won't get everybody but if they get most of them you know they have a chance to finish in the top 10 that is a realistic possibility you know somewhere in the you know number eight number nine um and and that would be again the highest that any transition class has ever been ranked at florida better than urban's 
better than any Will that Will Muschamp had or Jim McElwain had. So that that that's big because you know, remember Florida had a top ten class prior to McElwain getting fired, and you know Mullen took it over, and a lot of guys left the class, and they dipped about twenty spots in the recruiting rankings and got in the thirties. And he's slowly kind of him and his new staff have kind of built that commitment list back up. And now they're in play for a lot of big names. So I think Florida fans can kind of hope for them to finish somewhere in the eight to 12 range. Um, I think that they'll definitely have a top 15 class, which is still um, really good considering the situation. Uh, And as far as how that sets them up for the spring, I mean, you you got you're really filling some positions in need when you talk about the quarterback spot, when you talk about the offensive line. And certainly you look at some of the guys that they got in during the, the early signing period. You know, uh, the two linemen came in, especially the, the Juco guy, Noah Banks. He's going to help with the depth right away. And then they bring in a couple defensive backs, um, you know, to help them with the safeties that they lost from last season. So Mullins and his staff have done a really good job of not only getting in the mix for big names and, and, and trying to land those guys, but also filling positions of need because they'll need some of those to contribute next season. Final question for Zach Albaverde of SEC Country, uh, and that is this. There are some other hidden gems in this group. If the class comes off, as you said, getting, uh, let's say, a pickup uh, Copeland, uh, even just Copeland. And of course, if one of the big offensive linemen would be great. But when you add in the X-Factors, returning exiles, I call them, uh, obviously Jordan Scarlett being the primary one there. And you add in the transfers and talk just for a minute about the transfer receivers that they've got. This class becomes even better if they're ranked at 15, they're probably closer to an 11 or 10 with all those riches they got elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, you're right, buddy. I mean, that totally transforms your team when you talk about adding that type of talent. I mean, uh, Everybody knows that the quarterback position at Florida is a huge question mark once again going into this, you know, 2018 year. Uh, and, you know, we don't know how the, you know, running back rotation is going to shake out now with Scarlett back. You figured he's certainly going to be the feature back. But how does that, you know, that whole system work now that they're trying to change to? Uh, there's a lot of unknowns, but there's also a lot of potential there. I mean, you mentioned the two wide receiver transfers. If both of those guys are clear to play and get waivers, which I think could happen, um, you know, especially with Trevon Grimes, given the family health issue, I mean, those are immediate impact guys that you're adding to your roster at receiver uh, that are going to play right away and, and, and really transform the talent. I mean, that's you're really upgrading the skill there. Then if Emory Jones ends up either winning the job or being a factor at the quarterback spot and he can actually play and play play productively, and, and give Gators that dual threat guy that I think that they need for Dan Mullen's offense, you're looking at that personnel now, and it's a lot different than what it was last year and what it's been in recent years. So that could change what type of team Florida has, what type of offense they have, and what type of success that they can have. And a lot of that is, is going to come from what they've, at, you know, what they've done in recruiting. So um, it's a credit to Dan Mullen and his staff because they, they obviously had a lot of things that they needed to address, and they've done a good job of doing so. I'm not going to ask you this, but it was one we'll think about. We'll talk about all spring because we don't know. And I heard your broadcast before. Who takes the first snap? We know Felipe Franks is not done. He's not transferring that we know of. He'll be in the battle in there. And obviously, Emory Jones is the prize recruit. It's going to be a battle. Uh, I can see a scenario by which either or both could have a shot at starting. Sure. Uh, And so it's just too early to make that projection. 
But let's just say this. It's good for Gator fans to see some competition at the quarterback position for sure. And I think out of that group will come somebody who can move the rock up and down the field, especially with those wide receivers and those running backs they've got. As always, good stuff. Zach, appreciate it. We'll catch you online and uh, catch you on your next podcast and your Facebook Live. And thanks for all your help. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for having me on, man. And, uh, you know, appreciate it. And, and certainly, you know, it's been a fun, fun week for everybody in Gator Nation. All right. Thank you very much, Zach Alba writing.